Hello, hi, and welcome to another episode of uh, The Emma Gunn Show. It's a bullet points episode, and thank you so, so much for joining me. You know I love our time together, and I really appreciate you tuning in. In this episode, I would like to talk about recovery. And in this instance, I'm talking about recovery from binge eating disorder, because that's my personal experience. But if you're a long-time listener to the podcast, then you'll know that I've talked about recovery not being a linear process before, both in reference to depression and also anxiety. And for that reason, because I believe it applies to lots of different situations, I wanted to talk about it in this episode. Because this past weekend, I really struggled with a setback, but we will come to the particular setback and what happened a bit later on. As you know, if you've been listening to the show for a while, and if you don't, I realised in 2019 that the issues I'd had with my weight and food were actually, for my whole life, were actually a version of binge eating disorder. Not that I was necessarily a binger, as you might think it looks, but that I was struggling with disordered eating with a tendency to overeat after extended periods of restriction. I read the book Brain Over Binge by Katherine Hansen and a lot of things about my relationship with food which I'd never really understood other than to clumsily talk about it as an addiction fell into place. So much fell into place in fact and I've podcasted about that experience of being able to see my relationship with food from a distance at length so I shan't repeat myself here but I was able to make changes pretty quickly and those changes resulted in physical changes that you, my most excellent listeners, began to notice too on my visual platforms, which predominantly Instagram. I started to get a lot of questions about how I'd lost the weight, what I was doing differently, if I was on a diet, if I'd had bariatric surgery, etc. on Instagram and that's when I explained, no, I just realised I was eating in a way that was unhealthy and seeing that for what it was allowed me to make changes. And here's the thing, I know that's frustratingly loose and I wish I could say to you, I found the secret. If you stop doing this and start doing this, honestly, it'll all fall into place. I wish I could tell you that. But unfortunately, it's far more nuanced and personal, which is why I direct people to that book, Brain Over Binge by Katherine Hansen, as much as possible, because what I believe it has the power to do is help you unlock your own issues, see your own relationship with food and move on from that. Originally, when I read the book and started to make changes, I very much kept it to myself. And to be honest, one of the reasons I didn't tell anyone is because I was frightened to fail. I had been on a cycle of weight loss and weight gain for years, and it was a roller coaster I didn't want to get on again. And one of the characteristics of my previous efforts was that I'd announce it to everyone, which made the failure hurt even more, if I'm being completely honest. So now here we are, when I'm fully aware that I have sustained my weight loss longer than I have ever sustained it before. But what I don't want to do is give the impression that once I was broken and now I am fixed because that is not the case. And it's something I found frustrating before I worked on my own issues. When I would see people in the public eye or even friends to be honest who lost weight and maintained that weight loss, their successes amplified my failures and I felt really terrible. So I just want to keep it real. I am on top of my issues with food, if you will, but not 100% of the time. A couple of times over the last year, I have caught myself eating in a way that wasn't healthy. And by that, I mean falling into old habits. But I've been able to spot it very quickly and course correct, in large part thanks to the book I mentioned. And 
been able to catch it quickly like on the day whereas previously it would have been six months later <laughs> you know what I mean it was it I have been able to catch it because I that book really really helped me understand and then I've done further reading and as you know I've had various guests on this podcast talking about the relationship that we have with food and how it can be quite toxic and body image and all of those sorts of things so it wasn't just that book alone there were de- there was definitely further reading and further exploration and investigation and interrogation but uh, that was definitely the starting point and so just to give you an idea and this is why I think this kind of eating issue is so toxic and unhelpful is for me what it might look like is I start circling the kitchen nibbling on something not really paying attention to it when I'm eating it circling the kitchen again like an apex predator and then nibbling on something else not really ever paying attention to what I'm eating to those so the point can be that I can sort of do that a few times and then think what did I just eat and really have completely forgotten and this might sound innocent enough but for me it indicates a disconnection between what my mind is telling me my body needs and what my body needs so it's just telling me to eat indiscriminately and that's definitely the uh, shape color uh, if you will of my how my issues with food can sometimes look and one of the things that has been really helpful for me in recovering is making food from scratch and you'd be surprised how quickly you can make really delicious nutritious food just in your just within no time I definitely was and even even uh, at the weekend when I got myself together and I made uh, Ian Hayes mushroom and brandy stroganoff I was absolutely I was like really have I just created this that quickly it's so delicious and it took no time at all but it's all fresh good ingredients anyway so that really helped me that step really helped me connect the food that I'm eating and why I'm eating it which is obviously something that I didn't really compute previously. So nibbling, picking, snacking eliminates that connection because it's somewhat mindless, or at least it is when I do it. So preparing my food has been really helpful in terms of paying attention to what and how I'm eating. And that doesn't mean that's rigid or in any way restrictive or anything like that. It actually feels quite free and enjoyable. If I am snacking and nibbling, then I'm not paying attention. And that's where that disconnect can creep in. But let's throw in exercise as a curveball because I think that's what contributed to my derailment recently. So at the end of last year, I started using the Jillian Michaels Fitness app and it increased my weekly exercise from three hard sessions. And by hard sessions, I mean hit workouts with weights to six. So I do previously, I do three hard sessions and then a bit of yoga and walking on my days off, if you will, often inverted commas. Whereas now I was doing six full on sessions a week. And within days, I was texting Claire Coleman, who you know, my clever friend, who has also used the app extensively to say, is it normal to be ravenous? It makes sense though, right? The body is working harder, so it's sending signals telling you to give it more fuel because you're working harder, so it needs more fuel. It's exactly, you know, use the analogy of a car. If you uh, drive faster, further, your car needs more petrol. Same with the body, right? But the issue is that those signals feel exactly the same as the cravings and urge for food that I used to have and give into that were part of an eating disorder. And let's not forget that eating disorders are classified as mental illnesses. So I am obliged to, for me and for everyone else, take it seriously. And I'm telling you this because I know I've put more content out into the world recently about fitness, where I've shown myself working out. You've seen more of me than you've ever seen before. If you've been with me since the beginning, you'll know that you only ever used to see me from the neck up. And now you sometimes see full length because I am more confident. But it would bum me out to think someone would look at that and think, I read a book, changed the way I ate, and then never had to think about food again, because that so isn't the case. 
So this past weekend, I felt really run down, complete and very much out of character. Like check my cycle, shouldn't have, shouldn't be feeling run down based on where I was in my cycle. So I just thought, okay, you need to ease off the gas a little bit and just take it easy this weekend. So I decided not to exercise, but I spent the whole of Saturday morning thinking about what I was going to eat. And I was honestly, the debate going back and forth in my head was between good and bad choices and what I thought my body needed. And in the end, I got ready and I was about to head out to the supermarket and I fully intended to have a blowout. I had convinced myself that what I needed was to just have a cheat day, an indulgent cheat day. And as I was about to step out of my flat, I actually said out loud, you're about to self-harm. And I chose not to leave the house. I had plenty of food in, in the home. I could make myself delicious, nutritious food. And I totally appreciate that on the surface of it, me going out to buy and then eat a load of processed food seems harmless enough. But for me, it was a sign that those self-sabotaging behaviors were getting a foothold again. And I didn't want to let that happen. Realizing this, I noticed, sort of, I sat down and I paused. I noticed how tightly wound I was again about food and exercise. And I've told you about this in the past, but relaxing and leaning into the science of it all has actually been incredibly helpful. So I did. I just stopped and paused and asked myself, what are you doing? What's really going on here? And I'm so pleased I was able to catch myself. And it definitely feels as though it was a blip. And it definitely feels like probably one of the least helpful blip not actually least helpful is the wrong way of saying it but it actually it felt like the worst blip if you will and that's why I wanted to talk about it with you my most excellent listeners because it's not about the food or the exercise or even the science it's about those unhelpful voices and urges that can steer you towards poor decisions for me it's food for others it might be something completely different and in actual fact all of this was compounded on Saturday when a friend texted me and asked me how I'd kept the weight off I rattled off my response which I stand by but realized I was being a little bit fraudulent because I wasn't actually aligned to it at that precise moment. I was definitely caught up in a bit of a, a bit of a moment with it. So for 48 hours, my mind was obsessing with food and exercise. And I mean obsessing. So even though I felt run down and even though I'd made the decision not to go out and buy all the crap, I did, even though I didn't feel that good, I did end up doing a 30 minute workout. And that was when I thought, okay, this is like, this is ridiculous. You're not feeling up to par. You've managed to kind of not do what you used to do, which is go to the supermarket and go wild. But you are now exercising, which is not great given where your head is at. So there was just no room to think about anything else. And then if you remember, Jess Griffiths from Beat came on the podcast recently. And one of the things she said was, ask yourself how much time you're spending thinking about food. And pretty much on Saturday, I thought about nothing else. And that's when I realized that I'm dealing with a really freaking tenacious disorder. And if I let it, it will find a way in. And I'm kind of analyzing it thinking, did it find a way in because I was hungry because of exercise? I don't know. As I said, the reason that I'm even talking about this is that I don't want to perpetuate this idea that there's a fix for anything. There are wobbles. And I used to feel consumed by the constant battle in my head with food and exercise, what was right, what was wrong, what I could get away with, all very toxic and unhelpful. And understanding that 
actually all of that was an eating disorder that could be worked on was where I felt really empowered. It's a little bit like getting the diagnosis of depression that I thought that would be like, Oh, you loser. But actually it was, Oh my goodness. Now you know where you are. You know where you are on the map. Now we can get out of here. I felt really empowered about understanding what I was dealing with finally in terms of my relationship with food and that it was a classified eating disorder. And trust me when I tell you that it does stop feeling like a battle. And that doesn't mean those, but that doesn't mean those feelings don't find a way to creep in. So if you're listening to this and you're striving for perfection, as I am want to do, or you're beating yourself up for not being perfect, as I am want to do, then I think the takeaway I chose from recent events and the one that might help you is that sometimes a setback is a great signpost to show you how far you've come and how strong you are. A setback allows you to reconnect with your reasons for being on the path that you've chosen to be on in the first place and to not give yourself a hard time for feeling like you've had a wobble or a setback or whatever vocabulary you want to use. And I am trying to be careful with my vocabulary in this episode because I don't want to say anything unhelpful. One of my favorite quotes is from RuPaul, surprise, surprise, when she says, the place on a bone that was broken eventually becomes the strongest bane, the strongest bane, the strongest place on the bone after it is healed. So I say that again, the place on a bone that was broken eventually becomes the strongest place on the bone after it is healed. I find real comfort in the idea that all these things that we might beat ourselves up for, I know I certainly have and still do, are the things that actually make us strong. So recovery is not a linear process and it's okay and perhaps even helpful sometimes to have a bit of a wobble, have a bit of a setback so you can realign and get back on the path that you want to be on to be the best version of yourself. Anyway, I hope that was really helpful. If you want to get in touch with me, you can email me on thebeautypodcast.gmail.com or you can DM me on Instagram and Twitter where I'm at Emma Guns and you know I love hearing from you. Um, if you want to chat to me and thousands of other listeners of this podcast and binge eating disorder, um, this kind of thing is something that we've talked about a lot in that group. All you have to do is go to the show notes and find the Facebook forum. The link to join is in there. You have to agree to the forum rules. Please do that. Otherwise I can't let you in and you have to answer a question. It's not a difficult question, but please answer it. And I'll let you in. And like I said, there are thousands of us in there talking about all sorts and it's just a great place full of... (laughs) surprise surprise most excellent people because it's full of you so come join us we're having a great time over there and it would be so wonderful to see you um thank you so much for listening uh i'm not saying for a second that i've articulated any of this perfectly because as i've said i'm i'm still in the thick of it but hopefully what i have said if you're out there and you're having similar issues whether it's about binge eating disorder or something else hopefully that will um i hope that that's been a source of comfort or at least helpful in some way thank you so much for listening i'll see you on the next one sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.